Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear saints of God, is there anything worse than when someone who doesn't have the experience and isn't qualified tries to tell you how to do your job. So your company goes with an outside hire. And it just so happens to be the position that is directly above you. And in the first five minutes, you can already tell this is not going to be good. This person has all new ideas of how you should have been doing things and how you will be doing things moving forward. And you think to yourself, what, what is this person talking about? What was wrong with the way I've been doing my job, oh, I don't know, for the past 20 years? Or maybe you start venting to a friend of yours about some relationship problems you're having, and that friend just happens to be single and has been single for a long time, and yet they have all the answers of what you need to do in order to make your relationship work. Or you start sharing some of your frustrations with your neighbor about your kids. And your neighbor, who doesn't have kids, or at least hasn't raised kids for a very, very long time, knows exactly what you need to do. Is there anything worse than when someone who doesn't have your experience and is not qualified tries to tell you how to do your job? It's up there, isn't it? When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, Jesus is clearly many things. But he is not a fisherman. Okay, Jesus, you know what? If you want to tell me how to build a table or how to preach a powerful sermon. If you even want to tell me how to change water into wine, I'm all ears. But you know, when it comes to actual fishing, just stay in your lane. In fact, I'll let you use my fishing boat anytime you want to go out and start preaching to people on the shoreline. But I think I know how to fish. You know, that would not have been shocking if that was Peter's reply, would it? It was strange that Jesus gave this fishing advice to Peter and his companions not only because Jesus was not a professional fisherman, and Peter was, but also because the fishing advice that Jesus gave Peter made absolutely no sense. If you know anything about fishing, like Peter did, 
They had just spent all night fishing, because that's when you fish. And they had just done everything that you're supposed to do in order to catch fish, and it didn't work. And on top of that, they're now exhausted. Having worked through the night to no avail, and now they're getting ready to do it all over again as they clean their nets and they tighten them and they, they get everything ready to spend another all-nighter out on the Sea of Galilee for who knows what. For all of the brash and foolish things that Peter ever said, so often the one who would speak before he thought you might have expected Peter to say something similar here. But he doesn't. Instead, what Peter actually says to Jesus are arguably the most beautiful words that Peter ever spoke. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they singled, signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, it's almost like the God who made the seas teeming with fish. It's almost like he knew a thing or two about fishing. Though Peter would do it plenty of times later on, here he doesn't give Jesus any advice. He simply takes Jesus at his word. And he is so richly blessed by that that he and all of his companions can hardly manage it. There's something that we, I think, need to be reminded of here. Isn't it tempting to think that Jesus does need to stay in his lane? That so often... Jesus speaks on matters without all of the information. That while He is true God from true God, as we just confessed, there are just some things that He is not qualified to give advice on. And the reason for that is because when He gave that advice, when He spoke that command... He didn't know about me and my situation. Aren't we always the exception? Like, I know that God says He hates divorce. But, if He truly knew how unhappy my marriage was, I'm pretty sure He would be more happy with my divorce than he would be if I would stay unhappily married. Or I, I know God places 
these limits on sex, and that limit is within a marriage between a husband and a wife. But if God only knew how deeply I love this man, who is not my husband, I think that he would love my new relationship. Or I know that God says that he wants me to forgive people as freely and as readily as he has forgiven me. But if Jesus only knew how deeply she hurt me and how often she cut me, he wouldn't be so quick to tell me to forgive. Or if Jesus knew the kind of stress that my life was under. I know he says that he wants me to live a sober-minded life and that he does not want me to get drunk. But if he knew the amount of pressure and stress that I faced every single day, he would cut me a little slack. If God only knew as much as you know, Right? Almost like if only Jesus knew a little bit more about fishing, he wouldn't tell us to go out in the middle of the day and drop down our nets into the deep waters. Even when it seems like you've mastered something and God doesn't have a clue what he's talking about, Peter reminds us this morning to take Jesus at his word. Maybe Jesus, who calls himself your heavenly bridegroom and you his bride, maybe he knows a thing or two about what it's like to be in a difficult marriage with an unloving and an ungrateful spouse. Maybe Jesus, who created sex, for the enjoyment and the blessing and the benefit of the crown of His creation. Maybe Jesus knows how sex works just a little better than you do. Maybe Jesus, whose forgiveness drove Him to the cross and cost Him His very life, Maybe Jesus, whose forgiveness knows no limit. Maybe Jesus knows a couple things about how painful and how difficult and how costly it is to forgive. Maybe Jesus knows something about living a stressful, anxious life pressure-filled life. Peter had plenty of reasons to ignore Jesus' fishing advice that that day at the Sea of Galilee. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But he had all the more reason to listen. And he did. Because you say so. That was it. 
That's all it took. And look at what happens. Against all odds and probably a lot of logic, the Lord gives His blessing. One boat and then another filled with fish. A few fish would have been more than enough to prove His point, but that's not how God blesses. Jesus knows more and better ways to bless us than we could ever ask or imagine possible. And that simple fact terrified Peter. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't a stern preaching of God's law. It wasn't the pouring out of God's wrath and judgment that drove Peter to his knees in fear. But the amazing power of Jesus displayed in complete and an overabundance of grace. And now it's Peter's turn to give Jesus some advice. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And unlike the the fishing advice that Jesus gave to Peter, Peter's advice to Jesus actually makes sense. The closer you get to me, Jesus, the more you will see how much of a mess I am. The closer you get to me, Jesus, the more you will see how far I am from what I should be. The closer you get to me, Jesus, the less you will want to do with me. The closer you get, the further away you will want to cast me from your presence. And so my best chance of keeping you, Jesus, in somewhat of a proximity to my life is to keep you far away. Talk about the unqualified giving advice to the qualified. As if there is anything about you that Jesus doesn't already know. As if there are things about you that Jesus can't see from far away, and so the closer He gets, the better the picture becomes. As if you could be so sinful that the God and Savior who came to rescue sinners would keep a safe distance from you. As if you could be so lost that the one who came to seek and save the lost could not find you. As if you could be so covered in guilt and shame that the blood of Jesus could not wash you clean. No. Isaiah had a similar response. We heard about that in our first reading when he realized that he was in the presence of the glory of God. And in both cases, Peter and Isaiah, the Lord's response is exactly what the individual needed to hear. 
Isaiah thought that he was ruined because he was a man of unclean lips, living among people with unclean lips. And so, what does the Lord do? He doesn't just say, it's okay, Isaiah, I've worked with worse. No, he sends one of those majestic six-winged seraphs to go and take a live coal from the altar of the Lord and he uses it to cleanse those unclean lips of Isaiah. And for Peter, well, he was afraid because the goodness and mercy of God made Peter's sin and unworthiness all that much more obvious to him. And so what does Jesus do? The Lord said to Simon, don't be afraid. In other words, Peter, I forgive you. And you have nothing left to fear. And once again, Peter takes Jesus at his word. That simple promise of forgiveness would have been more than enough for Peter and more than enough for Isaiah. But it wasn't enough for God. No, having cleansed Isaiah's lips and having removed Peter's fear, the Lord now sends them out to preach. To preach to people like you. God doesn't appear in the glory shaking the foundations of churches. He doesn't promise to come in visible, heart-stopping miracles like a large haul of fish. As wonderful as that sounds, if He did, your reaction would probably be the same as Peter's and Isaiah's. Lord, go away. No, instead, the Lord now comes to you promising to be with and promising to accompany a lowly, lowly preacher. He sends out Isaiah and Peter and pastors and missionaries. He promises to go out on the cleansed lips of forgiven sinners in fearless hearts taken captive by the Word of God. And this is exactly what St. Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the will and, 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 and hope and desire of God. But how will it happen? How, Lord, are you going to get people in this world out in the deep dark depths of sin and shame how are you going to get them to call on your name and be saved paul says how can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? In every single one of those steps, do you see the gracious plan of your God making sure that more and more call on His saving name? You see, it would be just enough if God had simply created us 
and gave us this life and existence, that would have been more than we deserved. It would have been enough if God had sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the entire world. All of that would have been more than enough, but it was not enough for God. God wanted to make sure that you knew that what He did and what His Son came to accomplish was not just for general, was not just for comfort out there, was not just something in the peripheral, was not just something to be thought about, but it was something for you to hear and to know and to believe in that this message of the Gospel is for you. So Jesus wants the message of sins forgiven and life restored to be yours, to be your confidence, to be the foundation and consolation of your whole life, to captivate your heart and mind, and to accomplish that, Jesus sends you a preacher. And through that preacher, Jesus says, take me at my word. So that when your guilt overwhelms you, and you tremble like Isaiah, fearful and terrified that you are a person with an unclean life who is not fit to stand in the presence of a glorious and righteous and holy God, Jesus sends you a preacher to speak to you His words of absolution. And in doing so, Jesus says, Take me at my word. And know that your sins are thus forgiven, not just right here and right now on earth, but also before your Father in heaven forever. And when the devil attacks you, and you start to feel ill-equipped to fight back, Jesus sends you a preacher to remind you of your baptism where Jesus says, take me at my word. That together with simple water, my word accomplishes what I promise. Your guilt is removed. Righteousness is your garment. Christian is your name. The devil is defeated and heaven is your home. And when you're worn out, and you are slowly being crushed under the weight of this life, Jesus sends you a preacher. And He invites you to come and feast at Jesus' table. Where Jesus says, take me at my word. That my body and my blood, given and shed for you, are present here in and under this bread and wine to cleanse your lips and to feed your soul, and to nourish your faith, and to strengthen you until life everlasting. Simple words. Water, bread, wine, preacher. None of these make sense, Jesus. We, we were hoping for something bigger. 
Something like a six-winged creature and the foundation of the church starting to shake. Something like an eye-popping miracle with two boats beginning to sink filled with fish. But Jesus says, take me at my word. All of those things that your heart desires to know and experience the presence of God, to be comforted with the confidence of His grace and His providential care in your life, to know and see that God's church is growing here on earth, Jesus says, take me at my word. All of that is happening. As one by one, another one is caught and brought into the boat of Christ's church. And who does the Lord Jesus Christ use to catch those fish? Preachers. As you live and embody that gracious gospel message, as you turn to those co-workers who bother you with telling you how to do your job or your neighbor who tries to teach you how to raise your kids or your family members who won't just let you live your life. When you cast out that net of the Gospel, Jesus says, take me at my word. It works. Keep going out. Keep fishing, brothers and sisters. Going into deeper and darker waters and know that the Lord is accomplishing His good purposes through you. Is there anything worse than when someone who isn't qualified and doesn't have your experience tries to tell you how to do your job? I can't think of very many. With that in mind, brothers and sisters, stop giving advice to God. Instead, just take him at his word. And then watch and know that the blessings that will come through it, some you will see, many you won't, are there. Blessings like the answer to the question that Paul asked, that Isaiah originally asked, Lord, who in the world will believe this message? You have. By the grace of God and the power of His Spirit, you have believed it. May someone else be brought to that saving faith through your witness and the continued work of His Spirit. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.